All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode two of Outspoken. I am so happy that you made it this far on the podcast, a whole two episodes. I'm very impressed. Thank you so much. If you haven't subbed, you should probably do it. If you want to keep listening to what I have to say, and if you don't want to listen to what I have to say, well, um, that's fine too, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, welcome to episode two. So today we have a lot to cover because a lot of things happened this past week, or I guess past couple of weeks anyways, a lot, okay? When I say a lot, I mean a lot. I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. So just to give you a little preview of what we're going to be talking about here, all right? So we have influencers throwing pandemic parties, which is ah not a surprise at all, is it? Not in the slightest. We also have down here, we have, I don't know if you heard about it, if you guys pay attention to what's on the internet and what I've been talking about for the past two weeks, but Candace Owens and Harry Styles, I figured I should just talk about it just one more time, you know, <laughs> for the people who listen to my podcast. She doesn't like that he wore a dress. Uh, Elliot Page came out. I don't know if you guys knew that. Came out as trans. And then... Also, in the UK, there was this thing happening with hormone blockers and a, a whole court thing that I wanted to get into. And finally, at the end of the podcast, I have a really, really great Reddit to share with you. That's I'm the most excited about this Reddit today because <laughs> it, it's really funny. And then I have some, some great LGBT stories to share, of course. So let's start with the pandemic parties, okay? So the greatest creator of all time, can you guess who I'm talking about? He threw a big party. Any guesses? Best creator on the YouTube platform. Coolest guy ever. No? No guesses? Okay, Jake Paul uh, threw his second party in California after he fought Nate Robinson. There was this whole thing where he got into a, a boxing thing with Nate Robinson. I, you know, I didn't pay that much attention to it because I, I just, I, it ha didn't have my interest at all. But I found out that he did throw a party. And, you know, other influencers were there, which is a really great example. And they actually took it upon themselves to post about it on social media. And I wanted to, you know, put my two cents in and say how stupid that is, you know. And it's almost like they do it for attention because they know if they post something on their story like a, of a party, you know, during all this stuff that people are going to be like, yo, what are you doing? Like, that's kind of stupid. So sometimes I feel like it's for a shock factor and to be talked about as it is right now. Either that or they're actually genuinely stupid. I don't know if I mentioned, but Jake Paul also threw a party back in July too. And he's obviously not the first influencer to throw a party during a worldwide pandemic. You know, the TikTokers did it too. Other influencers did it too. And it's like, how can you do these things without feeling any like grain of guilt or or anything like that. Like if I want to go hang out with one of my friends, I won't even do it. I feel really bad about it. Anyways, I mean, it's just selfish. So I guess I don't really have anything else to say about that is what more could we expect from this, this great influencer, right? So let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about Candace Owens and Harry Styles again about the dress. And I, I'm sure a lot of you heard about this. So Candace Owens is a political commentator and I have seen a decent amount of her stuff, all right? I've seen, not a decent amount. I've probably seen like five videos of her stuff. Maybe like an hour total of her because that's as much as I could bear. But she really, people eat her stuff up 
and I don't know how. Have you guys, have you ever watched anything of hers? Like the way that she speaks about a certain topic? It's, it makes no sense. Anything that she says doesn't correlate with what she's saying. Like, it's like she's gathered a bunch of different things and then tried to combine them to make sense and it didn't. Kind of like how I just did right now because nothing I said made any sense. But when she makes a point, there is no point made. She takes a, she takes a, for example, she said in one of her videos that people are saying men who don't wear dresses or refuse to wear dresses beat women. That is something that she came up with. She said that people are saying that, like it, it is a thing that's being said. If you don't wear dresses, you are misogynistic, etc., etc. which doesn't even, first of all, who's saying that? Also, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like that makes sense. She creates this whole straw man argument. A lot of people like her do this. And I feel like if you don't know what straw man is, it's when somebody like sets up a straw man, like they set something up that is very easy to defeat because the actual argument is too hard for them to defeat. So they turn to something like, if you don't wear a dress, you're a misogynist. And then they pretend that that is being said and then they defeat that idea. It's like they built it up themselves to defeat it themselves to make themselves look smarter than they actually are because they can't fight any real arguments. So that is my take on Kenneth Owens. She has just said some really stupid stuff in the past. And I, I, I honestly, I mean, I guess I understand how she is so big because, you know, there, there is, there is a lot of people in the world like her, I guess. But yeah, with that being said, she tweeted about Harry Styles in a dress and how awful it is that he wears a dress and how we need to bring back manly men, that men should be out there chopping wood, that men should be out there hunting, that men should be out there protecting women. And it's this, this, okay, that happened in history, but we're in 2020 now. Like men don't have to go chop wood and, and hunt a deer and come back home and protect the women. That's not something that's a necessity. I mean, protecting people is still a good thing regardless of who does it, but they want to, it's like, they want to keep these traditional views, but for what? Why? Like, why? Because it's a traditional view? Because that's what was, that's what came from history, so we have to keep it? That doesn't make any sense. Because things change and things evolve, and I feel like people like her just don't understand that. So when they see somebody wearing a dress, they think it's like, Oh, we're trying to turn the men into women and demasculinize men. And that's not it at all. Actually, men have worn things like that for years and years. Something I talked about was, this is, <laughs> this is such a boring subject, but <laughs> um, powdered wigs back in the day. You guys know those powdered wigs like George Washington, George, <laughs> George Washington, the, the white wig. It's called a powdered wig. So my whole thing was, if she wants to bring back masculine men why couldn't men back in the day, like the founding fathers, just be bald and embrace their masculinity and testosterone? Why do they have to get a powdered wig made for them to put on and wear it? Like they wanted long hair like women? Because if so, bring back manly men. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just none of her points make any sense. That's kind of what I'm getting to. And men have been doing things over centuries that aren't traditionally masculine. Like what, what makes something feminine? What makes something masculine? It's just, it's a societal standard. So it's just, it's whatever. I don't, she, she is just, she is something else, man. She is something else. And she got, she was pretty excited when Harry Styles noticed her too. So maybe that, maybe she, maybe she's a fan.
deep down. I don't know. Maybe she is. She probably blasts Harry Styles when she's going down the freeway. But then she has to turn it down when she gets to her Trump rally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't. I, I laughed at my own joke. So the next thing I really wanted to talk about was Elliot Page coming out because everybody asked me to talk about this. So if for some reason you didn't know, Elliot Page came out as trans with he, they pronouns. Of course, it was it was a very positive thing. The way that Elliot came out, I really, really, I, I appreciated it because it was this long paragraph. I would read it, but uh, I feel like everybody has read it. So I'm just going to go and assume. But basically what he said, he used his platform to spread awareness about um, awful transphobia that the community faces, specifically talking about black and Latinx trans women, you know, as they're the biggest target of transphobia in general. So I thought that was amazing. Like you're coming out, but you're also raising awareness about the issues and what's happening in the real world to trans people. You know, like big applause, big applause for Elliot. Thank you so much. And I just wanted to take a moment to appreciate Elliot because, you know, not everything is all happy and great when somebody comes out, especially of that size, you know, because then you have people who it really bothers, you know, when they wake up in the morning, this is what they think of. This is what bothers them. Like some people even went as far as saying that it's erasing lesbians. Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> so I want to play this little clip for you by a YouTuber where she talks about how, you know, lesbians are disappearing and whatever because formerly Elliot was a lesbian. And so now her claim is that, oh, lesbians just hate being women and they all want to transition, which is not true at all. I, I, that, like, where, please tell me where you got that statistic besides from out of your ass, right? So let me let me play this little this little voice clip for you, okay? I said this to Elliot on Twitter. Much respect for the Elliot Page for coming out as trans. I still wonder though, where are all the lesbians going? Two things can be true at once. One, some people are actually trans. Two, some lesbians are internally misogynistic and want to be anything other than a woman. And I stand by that. <laughs> okay, so I'm not in the lesbian community. I obviously can't speak from experience because I never labeled my sexuality when I was younger because I just, I didn't, I hated anything to do with being LGBT. So, but I knew I liked girls, but my gender dysphoria actually was the cause of what made me transition, not the misogyny that I had. I think what she's trying to say is basically she's using Elliot's coming out as like a way to spread awareness about how lesbians are misogynistic internally and they would rather be anything else than be a lesbian because being a lesbian is such a bad thing. I just, I've literally never heard of this rhetoric. Lesbians are misogynistic so they change into trans men. What? Like where did, was this information pulled from the ass? Where was this, where is this coming from? So let me travel further down this video where this trans guy talks about this topic, okay? There's absolutely nothing wrong with not feeling like the other girls. And in fact, that's totally normal. However, there is something obviously wrong in how many girls are now identifying as non-binary. And let's not forget how many lesbians are now identifying as non-binary and queer. I mean, imagine coming out as a lesbian today. Imagine saying, hey, I'm same-sex attracted. 
I know it sounds really crazy, but doing that today is really controversial and in fact would get you a lot of hate from the LGBT community. <laughs> what is this? What is this from like Twitter reports? <laughs> if you say that you're same-sex attracted, you are going to get a lot of hate. Don't ever say it, okay? Like, I... I <laughs> Dude, man. <sighs> can you just leave lesbians alone? Like, lesbians can be whoever they want to be. Gay people can be whoever they want to be. If someone wants to say they're queer... Queer? <laughs> queer? <laughs> someone wants to say they're square? Shut up, man. No, but if somebody wants to say that they are queer or whatever, or lesbian, or bisexual, or non-binary, who cares? Who really, really cares? Damn. Uh, let me continue just a little bit more of this this voice clip, all right? What gets me about celebrities such as Elliot Page, formerly known as Ellen Page, isn't that they're coming out as non-binary, but that there is definitely a trend that we're seeing here, right? A lot of girls are identifying as non-binary. Why is that? Why is it controversial to say that? <laughs> there is a trend. Oh my god, the trends, trenders. Oh my god, they're all coming. They're rising. There's a trend rising. Elliot Page is now gonna is gonna lead the revolution of trends, trenders. It's just, it's just this is just all shit posting. A lot of girls who happen to be lesbians would rather opt out of calling themselves a lesbian and call themselves queer, which is really just for the inclusion of other people. Lesbians, please let me know. Please let me know if you would rather call yourself queer than a lesbian, or does either label fit you, or even gay? Like, why do these people care about what labels other people are using? <laughs> it's just, ah, oh, it's so weird, dude. So why is it? Why is it so bad and so wrong to say that you're a woman? Why is it so bad and wrong to say that you're a lesbian today? Literally nobody said that it is so bad to say that you're a woman. Like Elliot Page came out as trans. Why does this have to do with being misogynistic towards women and not wanting to be lesbians? Like being a trans man and being lesbian are two different things. But you're kind of mixing up sexuality with gender identity and they actually don't go hand in hand. And if you were smart enough, you would know that. Alright, so after that, Steven Crowder, uh, another political commentator. Isn't it funny how the political commentators are always the ones talking about trans people and then also simultaneously making fun of them? Interesting, isn't it? Why? Why is that? It's almost like they think being trans is something that's political. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but maybe they do. So on Steven Crowder's podcast, he talked about Elliot, right? You know, making jokes, making trans jokes talking about how hard it is to be a straight white male because that's the quote-unquote worst thing to be in 2020 speaking to elliot because elliot came out as trans he they anyway so he made a joke about elliot being et so there was a little clip of et wearing a wig and then saying elliot i don't really i i, I didn't really get the joke it was like was he calling trans people aliens i really didn't get the joke so I, I thought that I should just throw that in there. And also, people go, why are you talking about the transgender? Thing? Well, first off, I think we've done a pretty fair job of covering election fraud. I think we've been pretty <laughs> consistent. And this yes. does matter. People say, why do you talk about something that doesn't affect you? Um, the breakdown of the idea of men and women affects everybody. Yes. Notably <laughs> children. I was like, why do you care about what Hitler's doing with the Jews if it doesn't affect you? Well, it doesn't affect me, but I, the Jews yeah. aren't big fans of it. What about the children? Who will be taught that men and uh, women and male, female are just a figment of your imagination? That's a problem. Okay. Oh, damn. All right. So he just compared coming out as trans publicly and, and promoting transgender, the transgender agenda and all that stuff to 
Hitler and Jewish people. Basically saying that uh, people didn't agree with what Hitler was doing, but it was still it was still showed everywhere and people were vulnerable to it. So same thing, uh, transgender is being shared publicly and being shared to our precious kids, you know, our precious kids who are so impressionable and will see a transgender person and want to be transgender because it is so fun. That was basically his argument. I thought it was a very, very weak argument because you've trans people aren't Hitler or maybe I am. Maybe I am. You'll never know. Yeah, so I thought that was really annoying. He always has something annoying to say. And, you know, I figured he would weigh in on this whole thing because he loves to talk about trans people so much for some reason. You know, maybe he's secretly a, a big fan of the trans community. Uh, maybe he's a trans man in disguise or something. But let's uh, since we were talking about trans kids and, and how, how kids can be influenced, whatever, to be transgender, I want to talk about this UK court thing. All right, so if you don't know, let me open up this article here. So in the UK, puberty blockers, puberty blockers are given to younger trans people to block puberty, basically. So let's say you are 13 and you have gender dysphoria, you've gone through all the stuff and you get, you get put on puberty blockers to stop puberty. So you will be able to transition better. You'll just have a better experience, all that stuff. I'll get more into that. But so this this happened in the UK. So puberty blockers, under 16 is unlikely to be able to give informed consent. So if you're under 16, you, you cannot give consent to take puberty blockers. The NHS says clinic has suspended new referrals after pair, including women who took blockers, win court case. So this woman named Kira Bell, she's 23, began taking puberty blockers when she was 16 before detransitioning as an adult. Okay, so she won this court case basically because she said the doctors, they didn't do a good enough job. Like they said that I was transgender and allowed me to go on puberty blockers, you know, because one person's experience is ultimately the experience for everybody else, right? Wrong. <laughs> Let me read a couple of these paragraphs and I'm going to give you my two cents on it because as somebody who knew that they were trans as a child and is now almost 25 years old, I still feel the same way as I did 20 years ago. So let's just start right here, okay? Children under the age of 16 considering gender reassignment are unlikely to be mature enough to give informed consent to be prescribed puberty blocking drugs the high court has ruled. Even in cases involving teenagers under 18, doctors may need to consult the courts for authorization for medical intervention. Three senior judges have ruled in an action brought against the Tavistock and Portman NHS Trust, which runs the UK's main gender identity development service for children. So, okay, to me, that sounds extremely dramatic. You have to go through the courts. You have to go through the courts to get on puberty blockers. The courts, not, not doctors, the courts. Well, actually, you would... No, you would actually go through the doctors and then it would go to the court uh, because, you know, the court is definitely informed on gender dysphoria and they know everything about it and can properly diagnose somebody with gender dysphoria. That makes a lot of sense. Anyways, this next paragraph says an NHS spokesperson welcomed the clarity the decision had brought, adding the Tavistock have immediately suspended new referrals for puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones for the under 16s, which in future will only be permitted where a court specifically authorizes it. Dr. Hillary Cass is conducting a review on the future of gender identity services. Um, actually, one of my questions is who is under 16 and taking uh, cross-sex hormones? I believe that that is 
something that barely ever happens, if it happens at all, because that I just I, I've, I've actually never heard of that. Under 16s taking hormones. Have any of you guys taken hormones under 16? Maybe maybe like 14, 15. Anyways, let me just talk about this from my experience. I knew that I was trans at a, at a very young age. I knew that I felt a different type of way. I didn't know the word for it. I felt like that since I was like five years old, six, seven, just going up and up and up. I felt the same way the whole time. Okay. And for me, I hit puberty a little earlier at 13 years old. So I would have had to have taken puberty blockers at like 12 or 11 to prevent that. So what happens when you hit puberty? What happens when you hit puberty, right? You st things start changing about your body. What a, what a hormone blocker does is it stops that from happening. So for example, let's say you are a biological female. You take a hormone blocker, nothing grows, nothing grows there on your chest. And if you are trans and you continue to transition and then you take testosterone, you, you wouldn't have to get top surgery because you never, nothing ever developed. So that's the point of hormone blockers. It's to make things easier for, for trans people. So they don't have to go through certain surgeries or they don't have to go through a bunch of, you know, trying to pass and all that stuff. It's really, really useful for that stuff. Personally, I would have loved to been able to have the luxury of having pu uh, puberty blockers because I wouldn't have had to go through top surgery. I wouldn't have had to go through puberty and it would have been great, dude. So this is, this is the thing. And I feel like a lot of these people think that getting hormones and getting hormone blockers and getting surgeries is the easiest thing. It's like they think that you can just walk into a clinic and then come out with like a shaved head and a deep voice. That is not how it works at all. I had to go to therapy and I had to go to the doctors multiple times, visited a couple of different people to, and for, for an extended period of time, it wasn't, I didn't just go there and they were like, oh yeah, you're transgender. Here's testosterone. That's not how it worked at all. And I feel like that's what these people think. So with this specific case, Kira Bell said that the doctor is basically neglected to recognize that she wasn't actually transgender. And they, and they said she was, you know, after visiting her, I don't even, I don't, the whole story isn't fully posted in detail, but that's the gist of it. I think there needs to be proper doctors that people go to, right? But I can't blame, can't blame the doctors entirely for, for telling somebody that they're transgender. Like there's a reason that you're going to a doctor and saying that you're transgender. Like the, 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 you didn't just walk into the doctor's office and they were like, you look like you're transgender. Let's start you. Let's start. Let's just start it. Let's do it. And then you're like, okay, like uh, it's where, where is the context here? You know, and people love to blame the doctors for this, but you should be seeing extreme professionals, extreme transgender professionals. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. I feel like I just went off on a whole tangent there. It's, it's like this one case, this one court case is determining it for the rest of these trans kids. How do you know that these other trans kids are actually trans or not? And now they can't get put on a puberty blocker and now they're going to have to go through puberty and then it might be harder for them to pass. It's just like, it's a whole big mess. So let me continue reading these other paragraphs. It is highly unlikely that a child aged 13 or under would be competent to give con consent to the administration of puberty blockers, the judge added. It is doubtful that a child aged 14 or 15 could understand and weigh the long-term risks and consequences of the administration of puberty blockers. 
oh dude this is such bullshit because puberty blockers i've researched puberty blockers because i talked about it in videos before and there is there as far as we know there isn't any permanent side effects of puberty blockers so when someone is saying 15 year olds can't understand the long-term risk and consequences of the administration of puberty blockers there is literally show me the research where there has been a long extensive consequence of taking that I haven't seen it. I research puberty blockers and all it does is it stops you from puberty. And if you get off of it, you can, you can go into puberty. That's what happens. So it's like a, it's like a pause button basically. So you, you put yourself on pause until you can start hormones. That's, that's all it is. And there has, I, I literally haven't seen any long-term risks associated with puberty blockers, maybe in like 10 or 20 years maybe even five years, we might see some, but right now, I I literally have not seen any. Uh, and if you guys have ever seen anything awful about puberty blockers, let me know. But yeah, as far as I know, it's it's it, it does not cause permanent changes. Hormones do though, like testosterone. I cannot get rid of this voice. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of went off the rails there for a second. I, it's just, I transitioned in my teens when I was 16. And I, I really hate when people look at these teenagers and say, basically, you're an idiot. Because I knew when I was like eight years old. And I understand the concerns. But at the same time, I was a trans kid. And, and I knew it. So I can't sit here and say, oh, trans kids are, you, you can't do that, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Because I was a trans kid. And like, I, I, I still feel the same way at 20, 20 almost 25. Anyways, I want to get more into some lighthearted stuff, to some good news, to some funny news. I want to talk about Reddit for a second. <laughs> I refreshed my Reddit the other day, right? <laughs> and this, it was just this post and it says, hey, shy people, what is your worst experience? And as a shy person, I clicked that because I'm, I'm a really shy, anxious guy. You know, I have very, very awkward experiences, awful awkward experiences. And I'm sure you definitely have them too, because that's just life. But being a shy, anxious person, I I could sit here and probably list a thousand things that have happened to me. So I was scrolling down the Reddit and somebody said, my outgoing mother announcing to everyone how shy I am, which is, yes, that is very embarrassing. I hate when people do that. I hate when people are like, this is Sam, he's quiet. Like, come on, did you, did you have to say that? Now I'm going to be more quiet because you said that. Another person said, going to a crowded party with one friend who really wanted to drag you along, but then disappears. That has always been one of my biggest pet peeves. And I feel like so many people do it. So many people do it. I used to go to parties for some reason. I don't, I am not a party guy. All right. Cause I am, I'm the quiet Sam. He's so quiet. I'm quiet. And I don't, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to talk to people. All right, there we go. I'll admit it. It's, it's hard for me. It's always been hard for me. And so I would go to parties because my friend wanted to go to parties or, you know, some people wanted me there too, for some reason. And I, I genuinely do not know why. So, you know, that's always fun. And I'm sure that some of you have had that experience too. And this was my, <laughs> this is my favorite one. And I'm going to try to read it without laughing because this one is hilarious. Okay. It's kind of long. I was in a group therapy session as a kid, like maybe 14. I really had to go to the bathroom, but we weren't allowed to go during the session. That's kind of messed up. Side note, that's kind of messed up and rude. Why not? What if you really, what if you really have to go? What are you going to do? Shit on the couch? Anyways, I was sort of balled up in the center of the room. Not 
like emotional or anything, just sitting comfortably, hugging my knees because all the spots on the couch were taken. Some girl had just finished telling a story of her abuse. She was crying and there was no other sound. It was sort of that awkward but respectful silence that fills the space when you want to be supportive, but saying anything at all would somehow seem inconsiderate. It was into this yawning void that I farted. I knew it was coming. I'd been... Oh, what the fuck? I'd been staving off the gurgling in my stomach for some time now. I had broken into a sweat already with the sheer effort of will to delay the inevitable. It was no use. I tried to discreetly shift my weight and maybe muffled the sound. I failed. That was neither silent nor deadly. It effortlessly shattered the silence like a sledgehammer versus a Christmas ornament. <laughs> Another moment of silence swallowed the sound, but it was a void of disbelief. Then some kid yelled as loud as they could, Jen farted! and the entire room collapsed into helpless laughter while I promptly turned to stone and died on the spot. Oh, man, that is the, that out of all of these, out of anything, I think that is definitely the most awkward because someone just, someone just told, told an extremely sad story and it's, and it's silent and you, you fart. <laughs> There, no other sound it's just a fart and everyone's gonna look at you and then you're gonna be like oh shit sorry about your story i should go all right so to end this podcast i have two lgbt stories that i want to share with you as well so i'm going to read these two for a form of entertainment for you and maybe a little tiny shred of hope okay so this first story i'm just going to use uh names that i come up with because i don't want to use real people's names. I recently came out to my family as bi and my parents took it very well, which I'm so happy about. And I told them about my girlfriend too. Most of my friends from school already knew, but some I just hadn't gotten the chance yet. I was outside during lunch talking to a friend about lots of different things and we ended up talking about our relationships when another friend of mine that I'm not super close with joined and she asked what we were talking about. So I just said, oh, just relationship and other stuff. So she went, I didn't know you had a boyfriend and I went quiet, but then I said, well, I'm bi. Haha. <laughs> I made an awkward peace sign gesture. <laughs> peace. Uh, all right. I'm bi. Peace. And she was like, oh, really? So I told her about my girlfriend and she was so supportive and excited and it made me very happy. I was especially surprised because she's very religious. So I didn't really expect her to be so supportive, but she was very sweet and it made my day. So I thought the story was really great because it touched on religion. And then also like the friend assumed that this person was dating a boy, but was actually dating a girl and is bisexual. And the friend was like, oh, that's like, that's cool. Whatever. Like, it's fine. You know, some people don't always do that. Some people are pretty mean about that type of stuff. So I thought that was a really great one. And the next one as well is actually a good one. This one says, I recently came out to my entire family. It took me a long time to get to that point, And it's something I've been thinking about since I was 13. I'm 20 now. A bit of a backstory. Both of my parents are very religious. My mom is a Christian and my dad is a Mormon. And they were also very outspokenly against the LGBT community. Outspokenly. Like the podcast I've spoken, get it? Haha. <laughs> it was kind of, it was the kind of comments that they didn't realize were hurtful, but they happened pretty often. When I was 13, I decided to tell my mom that I was bisexual because we were really close at the time and I thought I could trust her. She immediately outed me to my grandmother, my aunt, and a few of my cousins. From there on, I started denying it in a panic to fix the fact 
that my mom had ruined my first first experience with talking to anyone about being LGBT. Fast forward to about two months ago, I approached her again. I was basically sweating and I had a pamphlet ready and everything. And I told her that I was actually pansexual and I added on to that that I'm a transgender man. Whew, that's scary, dude. Ever since then, she'd been calling me by my new name. She even ordered a stocking for this Christmas with my new name on it. She's helping me change it legally. She says she wants to help me through the process of getting tea as soon as possible, and she supports my decision for top surgery down the road. All in all, I don't regret telling her, and I don't regret my journey, because now I am also out to my father, my grandmother, my sister, and my cousin. They've all been incredibly supportive. I don't know where I'd be without them. So that was, when I was reading this story, I thought it was going to take a turn for the worst. I was not expecting that at all. And again, I, I got a lot of emails about religion and religious families and coming out to religious families and actually being accepted by these families. So I know that religion plays a, a big factor in coming out. It scares a lot of people. I I didn't come from a religious family, so it's I didn't have that experience. And a lot of people ask me my advice on it, but I, I don't. See, I figured sharing stories like this that talk about religion is very helpful because it shows you guys that, you know, they this religious families can be accepting of LGBT. Thank, I really appreciate you sending in those stories too, by the way, the both of you and all of you. I, I read a handful of them too. There's a lot to get through. So anyways, so that concludes episode two for the podcast. Actually, can I get a woo? No, nobody's happy. Nobody's happy that they made it this far at the end of the podcast. Are your ears bleeding yet? No. Hey, if you guys did like the podcast, make sure that you sub. Don't forget to do that. And if you want to give it a rating, I'd really appreciate that. You know, whether you think it's five stars or whether you think it's three stars or even one. A rating is is always good. Well, not really a one star, but (laughs) I appreciate you guys listening. I will see you. I'm posting episodes every Wednesday. So I will see you Wednesday with a new episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Listening. Oh, geez. Thanks so much for listening. Okay. All right. I'm going to go. I'll go now. Bye-bye.